Jack Atkin is an independent media producer in Victoria, BC on Lekwungen territories, unceded territories. For several years, he co-hosted the Solutions radio program alongside Rick Habgood on CFUV, a community university radio station. And about 12 years ago, he got involved with Shaw's Community Channel, first on a show called Face to Face, and for the past five years on a show called Citizens Forum. Thank you for being here today, Jack. Thank you very much, Janine. Absolutely. So I did mention to you that I usually start by asking my guests how they found the vegan path and how mm -hmm. that's inspired them to do the, the work that they're doing. Um, I know you've been a wonderful activist for justice and peace and environment for a very long time, but I don't think you're vegan and yet. So I'll just, I'll just start by asking you, why aren't you vegan, Jack? I think it's, it's, more due to laziness and inefficiency than anything else. Um, That's very I, th I think I think veganism is great. And, you know, sometimes I wish I could do it. And but at other times, I, uh, I don't, you know, so that's all I uh, that, that is one of the most honest answers I've ever heard. So we, we can um, perhaps discuss that more later and i can recommend a, a video called earthlings that that is very inspiring for people to yeah i need uh investigate i need some stuff like that you know you need to be kicked in the pants sometimes to go where you want to go and you know we're going to be talking about media and it's funny the word veganism is probably never ever ever mentioned in the media except when they uh, use it to attack some activists who are trying to you know do something it's true, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot uh, that we can talk about there, but we'll save that for another another show. And because um, for today, I want I want you to tell your story about how you managed to get a show on Shaw and what you accomplished there. And um, for listeners, um, if you know if you're interested in exploring the vegan subject further, please check out other videos that I've uh, done interviews on Plant Powered Radio Channel and uh, podcast and I'll also add some links into the show chat here for people who are interested. So, but Jack, how, like where, where were you? Do you remember the moment when you thought, I'm gonna get involved with community media somehow? Well, not exactly the moment, but I remember the circumstances. And, you know, you mentioned like we're here in Victoria and, and it, it's, most people think of it as Shaw Community Television. Shaw being a large, uh, uh, media corporation that is certainly not the friend I don't think of community television. The way it works is the CRTC, which is I don't even know what that means anymore, but it's the CRTC is the government regulating body. And years ago, they set up some wonderful regulations about community television. And I was sent a list of, of those regulations by a guy called Sid Tan in in Vancouver. Do you know Sid at all? I do, yeah. Yeah, okay. So he sent me this. I, I can't even remember why. So I had a friend, David White. Do you remember David? I do. Anyways. Vaguely, yes, David and Joan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. So David filmed a speaker at UVic talking about missile defense. This was, geez, must have been almost 15 years, 13 or 14 years ago. So he filmed this speaker and I phoned up Shaw and because I thought 
you know, having read the regulations that Sid Tan gave me, I thought this would be perfect for community television. So I phoned up Shaw, <laughs> and I can still remember this. The guy just laughed at me, and he said, oh, 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 oh we don't do that. You know, I remember, I, I think I remember his exact word, we don't do that. And what was the, what was the video about? It was about missile defense. Um, oh. Canada getting involved in the U.S. Uh, missile defense or something like that. You know, okay. NATO and all of that stuff. Okay. It was a, just a speaker, a woman speaking at the universe at UVic. So I phoned up Sean, the guy said, we don't do that. And I said, well, somebody sent me the regulations. And so I said, I'll phone you back. I went and I got the paper that Sid sent me. And I phoned back the guy at Shaw. And I said, this is what it says. And he said, okay. So he knew exactly what was in those regulations. But mm -hmm. when I, as a citizen, phoned up Shaw and said, we want to show this, the response was, no, you can't. We don't do that, hoping that I would go away. And it was only because I had the, the regulations that Sid had sent me that, that he had to agree to it. So, you know, everybody I've worked with at Shaw has been great. The people are great, um, including even some people who came from head office in Calgary for different meetings, although we had some good fights. So the people are good, but Shaw the Shaw, the corporation, should not be in any way involved with community television. The way it works is the regulations are great, but everything has been corrupted. So uh, there has to be a, somebody has to get the license to operate the community TV station here in Victoria and really across Canada. Um, so nobody knows about it. So Shaw says, we'll do it. And then the government gives them the money to operate the community TV station. And they always pretend it's theirs. Wait a minute. So you're saying that anybody could form a media company and go to the government and say, we want this to be a community radio or TV station in our... Yeah. And there's actually a group called Cactus uh, operating out of somewhere in Ontario that can assist with that kind of stuff. Cool. Um, but... I never had the ability to fight that fight. And so we just we just did what we wanted to do. And so okay. you somehow you managed to get uh, a channel on or a show on a channel on Shaw, right? Yeah, we got a show on the community television channel, which here is channel four. Now, interestingly, I, I think community television is great, and it could be the solution to so many of our problems. Because, I mean, one of the biggest problems we have is that the corporations control all the media, including CBC. But here we have this community station, right? And, and it's in every town and every city across Canada, or it used to be. Uh, the Trudeau government is now, I believe, in the process of shutting it down. Uh, I think community television is already gone from the major cities. Any city over a million, it's gone. Um, it still exists in smaller towns and cities. Okay, so when you say Trudeau government is shutting it down, are they changing the CRTC regulations? Or are they just stopping the funding for it? Right, so it's interesting. The funding for community television has nothing to do with Shaw. The, the funding for community television comes from a small tax of... 50 cents or a dollar per month on everybody. I think this is how it works. I could be wrong, but I think this is how it works. So everybody who has cable TV pays a small uh, fee to have a community TV station. That's where the money comes from. 
And that's the money that the government gives to Shaw to manage our community TV station here, right? The money has nothing to do with Shaw. So what the government is doing now is it's closing down community TV and giving the money to Shaw or Rogers or Bell, whoever, to run their own local news station, right? Because those stations are losing advertising revenue because of the internet. So they say, we don't have any money. So the government has said, okay, we'll shut down community television and give you that money. Wow. You know, as well as other money that they're also giving them. So as far as you know, the CRTC regulations still exist. The CRTC regulations still, and they're great. I, I have a copy of them somewhere. I don't even know where, but I'm sure you could get them. Or I, you know, if, if we phoned up the CRTC, but unfortunately the CRTC like every other government regulation regulating body is now run by the organizations it's supposed to regulate. Hmm. So Shaw and Rogers and Bell, as far as I'm concerned, they run the CRTC now, just like the chemical, you know, the chemical companies run Health Canada. Right, right. And the pharmaceutical companies. Okay. And the companies. Oh, <laughs> and the right. companies. And, and big egg. And big, big egg. egg. Big yeah, pharma. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting because I, you know, I know you from radio at CFUV. In fact, you were the one of the people that helped me get onto the radio uh, along with Rick Habgood. I think you One of the that. best things we ever did, I'm sure. Oh, for, for me, <laughs> certainly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, plus for... you did great work. Thank you for a long time. I had a great uh, experience there and we'll get into maybe what happened with that a little bit later. But my understanding of the CRTC regulations is so it's the Canadian regulate. I, I don't even know what Canadian it stands for. Radio and television, television communications something. or something. That could be. Yeah. I can't okay. I mean, and as far as radio goes, it, it's what allow it, it's what kind of forced Canadian music. You remember back in the '70s, we used to laugh at oh Canadian content or whatever. I don't know that I remember that was sort of the general uh, idea. Oh Canadian music, what's that? You know, ha ha ha. It was a weird thing now that I look yeah. back on it, but that was in rural Alberta. That was my experience. And then when I got to see FUV, I realized, oh, you know, like if we didn't, if we didn't kind of force it we would just be hearing top 40 music on every radio station everywhere right so cfuv and other radio stations like it across the country are a place where they can't play they're regulated to not play top 40 music and in fact they have to have a certain percentage of canadian content and that has helped canadian musicians tremendously i i would think through these years and i think all radio had to have a certain amount of canadian content and I, I seem to remember the media back then mocked that idea, but it turned out, as you just said, to be great, you know, otherwise right. you get overwhelmed by the corporate stuff. Right. And um, just while I think of it as well, you know, I mean, we, in terms of media and just programming generally, we're so inundated with U.S. stuff. I don't think we even realize how much as Canadians. I mean, you probably remember too when you were a kid and all you could get was the CBC and the CBC French, right? On television? Actually, I remember when there was nothing. Aha! Uh -huh. I, I remember uh -huh. before TV. <laughs> and, then the, I, yeah. and then the CBC. And then, and then all the of a sudden CBC. there's all these U.S. stations. Yeah, yeah. Once we got cable, I guess, or even before then there were some. But yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And it's, it's really crazy. I mean... You know, it, it touches on the deeper issues of what Canada is and who the corporations are and who runs our country and 
are we a democracy? And because we're never asked about any of these things, right? About how we want our television to be run. Right. They just impose it on us. Right. And and that's the way it is. You know, this this country is not a democracy. And the fact and it, in large part it's because we don't have the free press that a democracy requires. Right. Yeah. Okay. So did you kind of have that idea as you were heading into this new independent media world um, that Sid Tan had introduced you to? Or what was kind of your motivation at that time? I think my motivation was I wanted to be able to put stuff out that wasn't corporate, wasn't controlled by, you know, the big players, just something different that I think that's why I did it. Okay. And how did you get to CFUV? Rick, Rick Habgood. Yeah. Yeah. Rick, uh, Rick said one day, let's, uh, let's start a radio show. And he did all the work. I mean, cause he did all the technical stuff, right? I, I was bad on the technical end there then, which was like 15 years ago. And I'm worse on it now because it's gotten more complex and I've learned nothing. So Rick did all the work, dealt with CFUV, got us in. And for years we did a, a radio show. Yeah, you guys were a uh, pretty popular radio show. I think it, I can't remember what it was called. It was first one was called Solutions, though. You said. Well, I think sometime. No, that wasn't the first name, but somewhere oh. along the, the road, because we did it for a few years. Yeah. Somewhere along the road, I think we did call it Solutions, which was always the name that Rick wanted. Um, and because he was interested in solutions. And as I mentioned in that email to you, I think, uh, you know, it was funny. We had guests on who could talk about the problems all day long. You want to talk about climate change or GMOs or farm fish or why we don't have veganism or, or whatever. But when, when Rick would ask them, what are the solutions? I mean, people really had no answers, right? And that's a big part of our problem. We you know, aside from protesting and marching in the streets, which are getting arrested like people are doing at Ferry Creek now, or we're doing, you know, a thousand people arrested. What are the solutions? Well, media is a solution. And the corporations know this very well. That's why they own all the big media. You know, the rest of us have to figure this out, that media is important. And we don't have the free press that we think we have. One of the biggest lies when you listen to our local radio station, which I think is truly evil, talking about CFAX radio here, uh, or the CBC or CTV when you're watching their news or Global or the Globe and Mail, they always pretend, the biggest pretense is that they work for us. You know, the journalists work for us. You watch the people reading the news on CBC or CTV, or you listen to this guy on, on CFAX, our local radio, corporate radio station, I mean, he's just a true corporate journalist who's the host of their main show. Just it's it's ugly and twisted. Um, but they always pretend they work for us, but they don't. They work for the corporation that pays them. It's all a lie, right? The whole thing is a lie. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and it might seem conspiratorial or whatever, but just the idea that you or I or Rick or Chris Cook or anyone would, would if we were to try to get a job at the CBC, for example, <laughs> right, they would yeah, never right. hire, they no, would never no, hire no, us. No, because we wouldn't say the right thing. You know, I have a friend whose name I won't mention, 
but he's a soil scientist uh, in, a, in, a, in a province on which we clear cut mountainsides and tell the public there's no erosion and no loss of soil productivity, right? And he could never work in the provincial government where, where he was so desperately needed because he wouldn't lie. He wouldn't go along with the story that everything's okay. And it's the same in media. I mean, if you get into media and you're not willing to play the corporate game, then your career is going to go absolutely nowhere. Right. It can't. Because yeah. if you're going to tell the truth or what you see is the truth, you're not allowed into the corporate media. Right. It's just, I can guarantee folks that 100%. And you mentioned something sounding conspiratorial. Yeah, I'm a proud conspiracy theorist. I mean, I have no doubt that the oil companies and the banks and the politicians and the loggers, the logging corporations and the chemical corporations and the corporations that are so big, we don't even know their name. I'm sure they conspire against us. You know, I have no doubt about that. The loggers too? Do you... The logging companies. Oh, the companies, right? I, I, I like to think the workers are, oh, are yeah. trying to yeah. feed their families, right? Yeah. But yeah, these people who sit in offices and decide how our lives are going to work. like And one of the big right? things about the media is to pit us against each other. We, the environmental community, are the ones who are taking away the jobs of the hardworking loggers, right? I mean, they tell that story. They've told it for decades. All right. And of course, the real story is we're all in this together. It's the corporations right. that take away everybody's jobs. Right? Yeah. As soon as they're not needed anymore. Yeah, we have Occupy, I think, to thank. Occupy Wall Street movement to thank for us helping us identify the 1% versus the 99%, yeah. right? And I don't like to think it's, it's us against them either, but it kind of is. Like, it's the working class. It is. The working These are evil, evil people at the top. And they, yeah. they are capable of things that, people would not even believe. I just have come to believe them because luckily in my life, somewhere along the way, I, I got put onto this path of having the chance to see how they operate a little bit from the inside. And mm. it, is, it was unbelievable. I mean, I couldn't believe it. But, you know, when you start to see it, even somebody as stupid as me, after a few years, you go, hmm, this isn't what I thought, right? Um, it's, um, it's all a lie. Something's not right here. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the beauty of independent media. You know, we're certainly not uh, earning a great living doing this or anything like that, but it's an educational process, isn't it? It's an opportunity to provide um, voice, uh, a place where voices can be heard that aren't otherwise heard. And at the same time, we're hearing those voices and getting educated too, right? So, okay. So let's get back to Shaw. So somehow okay. you, you managed to get a, a show on Shaw TV after remember, all. It's not Shaw, it's community television. I oh, prefer to call it that. Right. I don't want to give ah, you credit. You. Yeah. Yeah, because I think of it as Shaw TV. Yeah. No, it's community television that happens to run on this through this particular radio or television. Yeah, channel cable station. because they own the cable company. We get put on a cable station. Right. right. The community, the community television station is Channel Four here in Victoria. Right. It used to be eleven or thirteen, I think, okay. in Vancouver, which is gone now. They, it's as I said, it's been shut down in the bigger cities, because it's they don't want it. Right. right? I don't mean Shaw. I mean Shaw and the government together. 
I'm just, I'm, so I'm still a little bit mystified. So let's say, because I think there's still a little potential there. If people said, oh my gosh, I want to investigate that. Like, would you have to have all the camera equipment and all that stuff if you, if you, somebody wanted to? No, the job of the, like when Shaw gets the license, they say, we want the license and, and they get it. Then their job is to provide a studio and volunteer camera crews and everything. You as somebody who wanted to do a show or me as somebody who wanted to do a show, uh, we just sort of walk in and, uh, and do it. Oh, right? okay. But they, their job as the, as the licensee or the manager is to provide a working studio that somebody like you could walk in and, and do it. If I had all the right pa paperwork, which we're going to discuss a little bit later. The paperwork was fairly straightforward. But now there's this new level of paperwork, you know, oh, what okay. I'm referring to, that we're going to talk about oh, right. uh, all that in detail. Okay. But while we're on YouTube uh, channel, we'll we'll stick to the media stuff. And then at some point, I'm, I'll say, okay, now we're going to switch over to a different channel on um, Odyssey and I'll uh, post the link for people who want to hear that other more nuanced discussion. So, but I still want to get your story. So you're at CFURV and uh, and you left and then Rick stayed on with his own show, Breaking News or Breaking Ice, I think it was called. Yeah, right, Breaking Ice because it's about climate change. Climate change for a long time, yeah, he yeah. did that. Okay, and then you launched into this community television world right. and um, were they did they ever have any input into the kind of guests you could have or say no you can't talk about that here or that sort of thing that may have happened well Shaw did one thing that I think is kind of unforgivable and again, again I it's got nothing to do with the people who are working for Shaw it's Shaw the corporation from the very beginning when 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 I first went there, and actually I, I went with Chris Cook, um, because that was one of the first shows we wanted to do, just as this was beginning, was we, Chris was going to interview a bunch of guests, and he would be the host, and we would. So what Shaw told us was, you can only talk about local, the most local of issues. If you want to talk about education, for example. What you have to talk about is uh, a local school here and what they're doing. You can't talk about broader issues, the environment or anything like that. But I'd read the regulations, right? Mm. So I knew that wasn't true. So I said, you know, that's just not what it says here. And they had to relent, which was great. So we did, we did exactly the show we wanted to do. And then I worked with another fellow who, I won't mention his name, but he was kind of a genius. Um, he, in his basement, next to the furnace created a studio that was the equivalent of what you know really what shaw had and we filmed a show in his basement uh for years and he did all the editing and you know this was on a budget of zero but he he was great so. And and so the kind of guests that you that you guys had then, um, you know, can you name some of your favorite guests and what sort of things you talked you know, about? I was trying to remember. Well, uh, two of them have been uh, Walter McGinnis and Norm Taylor. Um, uh, they were both kind of co-hosts on 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 the shows. And so we always did as part of every we, we filmed basically every two weeks and did a show every two weeks and then it would repeat about 25 times over a two-week period. 
So you know, there, there, that's a lot when you're on um, on a on a on a cable TV station. You repeat it twenty five times. Right now, Extinction Rebellion, for example, has their own show on uh, Channel Four here, and it repeats over and over again. Our show, our show is now finished. We're not we're not doing uh, community television anymore. But Walter and Norm were both co-hosts, and every every two weeks. Uh, we would do, uh, let's say, an 18-minute long just conversation about whatever we wanted to talk about. So that was steady. You know, trying to remember all the guests. Mehdi Najari has been one of the guests that was on the most. Chris Cook was on quite a few times. Um, we had Dermot Travis, who was on from a, an organization called Integrity BC. He was on a fair bit. Um, my traditional Chinese medicine doctor was on a few times. Cool. Um, we, I don't think we almost never had any politicians on, except for Elizabeth May. She was on a few times. Um, there was a guy, a health, I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, he did health researcher, health research at UVic. And we talked a lot about how the drug companies operated. This was, you know, over, you know, going back eight to 10 years over a period of time. And it wasn't pretty the way they operate. Um, oh, just local people who are involved with environmental issues, social issues. Um, we had Sharon Noble on quite a few times. She's very involved with the issue of um, uh, 5G and electromagnetic radiation, all the dangers of wireless radiation. I mean, that's, that's, that was her big issue. And we actually had a lot of people on scientists and doctors talking about that issue yeah. and it's funny because our governments which pretend to care so much for our health with with wireless radiation and 5g because there's corporate money to be made it's just full speed ahead it doesn't matter what the science says you know you just go and do what you want mm. and canada has approximately i would say the lowest and worst standards uh virtually in the world for what our population can be exposed to they really? they just let the corporations do what they want and i remember walter mcwalt who walter mcginnis who's the co-host uh, on the show for quite a while and actually he did a lot of interviews and so did norm so when walt was on and norm they would do a lot of the interviews so i would do one they would do one and then we do uh a talk between the two of us so the show was kind of like that as well but i remember walt one day took about 800 scientific studies in a big cardboard box down to our local public health officer, uh, Richard Stanwick. Um, you know, that's the local public health guy. And it was like, you know, I mean, just like butting your head against a brick wall. They didn't want to see it. They were totally disinterested. And you know, we had a lot of people on talking about GMO foods too. And Dimitri Lascaris recently, uh, who unfortunately, in my opinion, didn't uh, become the leader of the Green Party, but may in the not too distant future. I don't know if he's going to run again, but I hope he does. Yeah. I remember Walt uh, talking a lot about when the smart meters, we were trying to stop the smart meters yes. from happening too, you know. That was a big issue for him. Right. Yeah. kind of wonder what, with that. what happened with all these things. That you know, it's got. funny. The government wants yeah. to put something in your house. Right. You can't say no. No, you can't say no to put stuff in your body now, too. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, okay, and so is the show online? Are there archives online? You know, we're, <clears throat> we're on Odyssey, which Okay. I think is spelled O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. No, it's Uh, O-D-Y-S-E-E. oh, okay, O-D-Y-S-E-E, -E. Yeah, okay. yeah. And um, where we are there, I don't even know, but maybe you can find it and edit in the, Yeah, because the link. Citizens Forum? Um, I'll try to, I'll, I've got it down somewhere. I'll try to find it Okay, and I'll send see. it to Okay, you. cool. All right. And uh, my other question I thought of when you were speaking there is um, about feedback, like all these sort of topics that people weren't hearing about anywhere else. Did you have an opportunity to hear back from viewers? Uh, we got we got very little feedback from viewers, but um, you know, over the years, you know, I'd be in the grocery store or something, and somebody would walk up to me and say, "Oh, I really liked your show. I really liked your show." And you know, I got a fair bit of that. And the first few times it happened, I didn't know whether to shake their hands or run. I really didn't know what the response to because we we talked about a lot of controversial issues, and from a perspective that you never hear. in the corporate media, and I didn't know how people would react. But it was all positive. I, virtually every time it was positive. And um, they, people would say, I, I don't even agree with you, but I like the fact that I, I think you're at least being honest, right? So it was, it was very positive. Recently, well, it wasn't recently, maybe nine or 10 months ago, I just happened to mention on the show that I had stopped buying produce from California because they used fracking wastewater uh, to irrigate their crops, right? Because they were in a drought and the oil companies don't want to have to deal with <laughs> all this poisonous water they have, you know, because Right. it costs money to dispose of it. So they give it <laughs> to the farmers, including organics. It's, it's legal on the organic crops as well. And they use it to irrigate the food that we eat. And Nobody, I mean, is that ever mentioned anywhere? Wow. Oh, I've never Is heard it ever it. meant? No, no, it's never. So I got an email from somebody who, who was annoyed at me for saying that. He said, that's ridiculous. You know, it, it's, it's comments like that that make people not believe anything you say. So I just sent him back a couple of the stories, you know, that I Googled from, you know, from California groups fighting this. And he said, oh, okay. Yeah, I think I've noticed that uh, personally, too, you know, through the years, if my first reaction is, oh, shut up, that's not true, then it's probably true. <laughs> and my reaction is, I don't want this to be true. Um, but when we have a deeper look at things, it turns out. There is no level to which our rulers will not go. You know, if somebody wants to Google the words Bush, Hitler, and Guardian, they will see the story in the British newspaper, The Guardian, how, about how the two Bush presidents, their father or grandfather, who was Prescott Bush, um, was the director of a bank that was owned by some of America's wealthiest families. And they used it to funnel money to the Nazis, Hitler and the Nazis, in the late 20s and early 30s to get them started. Wow. Right? Because, you know, and, and that, I really, when I read that story, somebody just, I don't know how I ever came across it, I thought, yeah, that's never talked about. How did Hitler and, and this group of nobodies take over, you know, one of the, one of the world's major nations? You can't do that without
but the money is never talked about. But it came from, a lot of it came from abroad. I mean, when you're trying to do something, if you're a little enviro group, what's the most important thing, right? You got to have some money. Right. And it came from America and no doubt Canada as well. The global elite, right? They, they, they run in their own circles, for sure. So when you talk about corporations controlling the media, you know, I think about advertising. I think advertising is incredibly powerful and not just the direct advertising we get, but like the product placement inside storylines and, and the storylines themselves. I understand that the, the Bill Gates, for example, has some influence over storylines uh, within like ER, uh, apparently, and other television shows. So big money is, is really controlling the narrative at levels that we don't even comprehend but when you say corporations controlling the media uh, is that is that what you're referring to or is there more there no what i mean is that the corporations own all the big media they are you know the, the same corporations that are advertising are tied into the corporations that like for example um bell media bell media is one of the biggest there's only there's only I would say fewer than a dozen corporations that own virtually every television station, radio station, daily newspaper, and community newspaper in the country. You know, if you, that one dozen company, like uh, there's a company called Quebec Corps, and they own virtually everything in Quebec. I mean, it's unbelievable. Hmm. Um, so Bell Media owns CTV. Um, the Thompson family, which owns the Globe and Mail, which is Canada's richest family, and they also own the Reuters news agency. Um, they, I think, were tied into CTV as well. And I mean, these are the big players, right? Um, so the, the guy who's the head of Bell Media, the chairman of the company that owns Bell Media, which is called BCE, the chairman of that company is the former CEO of the Royal R RBC, right? Royal Bank. Oh. So, I mean, when you got the former CEO of the Royal Bank, who's the head of Canada's probably largest media organization, then who, so he controls, right? The chairman of the corporation is, is the guy, right? So he's put in place. And if you can, you imagine a journalist who works for CTV, or they also own about, I think, 80 radio stations across the country, including CFAX here. Hmm. Um, can you imagine a journalist say, I'm going to do a story on how the banks aren't paying enough taxes? Hmm. You know, no. how, how, how far is your career going to be going? Right. And it's like that. It's totally like that. Every word is controlled. Um, you can maybe make a mistake in your early years when you're starting out as a journalist, but if you don't get it very quickly, then you're not going to have a career in journalism in Canada. I mean, look what they did with climate change. I first heard about climate change over 30 years ago, and I know some people don't believe in climate change. That, that's fine. But I do believe that you know human activity is totally destroying the planet, and including the climate, and we have to cut back on... So, I mean, I heard about it first over 30 years ago. And when I did, I thought, holy smokes, this is huge. And then I, 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 my eyes were open. And for 10 years, there was literally not a word in the media ever, ever, ever about climate change. 
And then it started, I can remember the Globe and Mail doing an editorial just lambasting Greenpeace for daring to suggest there was something like climate change because they're trying to destroy the Canadian economy. Like that was the Globe and Mail. Now the Globe and Mail is, oh yeah, climate change, you know, we're going to lead the way, you know. Right, right. Bullshit. It's just like the media knew about the residential schools in Canada from day one. Sure. And they kept it quiet basically for a century so the residential schools could do what the residential schools were designed to do. And now the media is, oh, you know, we are standing with the First Nations. And nobody ever calls them out on it, right? I've never heard anybody ever call them out for their, I mean, not only hypocrisy, but mass murder. They are the ones who allowed the residential schools to operate. And well, part of it. these people sure. should be in prison. Yeah, part of it. Yeah, yeah. Silence is complicity, as, as they say. And um, yeah, so and like anything is follow the money, right? And, you know, we're not we're not going to see any grassroots activists at any high levels in the media. And as you say, if they try to be journalists, if we try to be journalists, we're just not going to. We're not going to be there for very long or we're going to change and become someone different. There's a great uh, show, on, you know, I, I do enjoy entertainment and I watch it with a mindful eye. And there's this black comedy on HBO, I think it's HBO or Crave, and it's called Succession. And uh, it's written by a British and I, I just I have great respect for the British sort of subtle, dark humor. Um, and it's about a media mogul family and uh, the intricacies of what goes on interpersonally with them and then how the empire uh, maintains control. And so on the one hand, it's sort of glorifying this family and all their wealth and their, oh, the life, you know, they get into a helicopter and they're transported and they're picked up by a car and they're taken to the, you know, but on the other hand, they have these crazy storylines of stuff that goes on in their personal lives. And I mean, it's really a great series. I recommend yeah, yeah. it. Um, I've, okay. heard, I've heard of it. Oh, it's yeah. I, I'm waiting for the next, uh, the next round. Okay, so let's shift gears then and delve into that which cannot be spoken of on YouTube because they're owned by somebody who doesn't like us to have freedom of the press. So for people listening, I will post a link in the notes if you want to carry on. We're going to talk about the Wu-Flu situation and the media control of the narrative on that um, at a different, uh, on a different platform. Thanks for, for listening to this so far. Okay, Jack, let's get into it. Because when we talk about the CRTC regulations, I get the feeling those are being rewritten or changing because um, my understanding is that the CRTC held meetings with all the radio stations across Canada, all the community radio stations at least, and possibly all of the media to tell them what could be said and what couldn't be said uh, regarding the the virus, the vaccines, and the mandates. And I uh, have left CFUV as a result of being censored there. So uh, did something similar happen at Shaw? Yes. Um, we had on a doctor 
uh, Stephen Malthouse. This is going back, you know, a year and a half, almost to the beginning of this virus insanity. Um, and they ran, they ran the interview. They said there were some complaints because, you know, he was, he was, he was talking about questioning the whole story and that, so there were some complaints or, or there weren't, I don't know. Um, but I think what happened was after a few showings, like I said, we usually get about 25 over two weeks. After a few showings, they took the whole show off the air uh. and told us to replace that interview with something else, which we did. Hmm. And then maybe a month after that, we had on uh, the former public health officer, a former provincial public health officer from Manitoba. So he had the same position that Dr. Bonnie Henry now has here in BC. And he raised a couple of questions about the PCR test and the way the government is manipulating the death numbers. Uh, and, you know, he was very mild in what he was saying, but he did say that um, basically if you, if you go into the hospital with anything and you happen to test positive for the virus using a test that in my opinion is i mean <laughs> the guy who developed it said it should never be used to diagnose anything mm -hmm. so what what this uh, former provincial public health officer did was question the death numbers right because he basically said, if you go in with MS or cancer and die and happen to have, happen to test positive uh, for the virus, you will be counted as a virus death. And he said, right. that's never been done before. So that's what they did. Right. They're starting to, that's starting to shift now. So there's people talking about death by COVID, like from COVID or death with COVID, right? So I think there's starting to be some awareness, but certainly, See, they didn't want you. They didn't want you to talk about no, it back. In that the was not. They told us that our show would be off the air. They didn't run one one time that 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 program. Ah, they didn't uh, even we, run it. They no, didn't run it. No. So they pre-screened your your shows. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and and the pre-screening was fine because sometimes we have audio problems they didn't like or you know whatever. Um, and we never had a problem really with any censorship except once years ago when we got sued and Shaw was included in the suit and they weren't happy about that. Oh, what was that's that? Another, that's another story. Um, I'll tell you later, but, but uh, so th they, they wouldn't air the show with the former provincial public health officer. No questions were allowed. And we were given the official policy from Shaw HQ. And I don't know if it came from the CRTC or if that was their own, and it was basically, you are not allowed to question anything that any level of government says about the media, ab about the vaccines or, or the virus, anything to do with the virus, no questions are allowed. Hmm. And, wow. you know, one of the most amazing things was that nobody seemed to even care about that. Here is total censorship of a show on community television because we dare to question the official virus story. And, you know, there was no public interest. Nobody seemed to care. I mean, it's almost like here is this 
we've always had no censorship. Hasn't that always been part of the society, the freedom of the press? And yet, when it disappears literally overnight on this issue, which means it can disappear on any issue they want, nobody cared. It was, uh, that was a little bit uh, shocking. Well, but some, some people cared, but we're shoved into a corner and we're vilified and we're called names and told that we're racist right-wingers or whatever. By the prime minister. And by the prime minister now, but I mean, and now there's a growing, a groundswell of, of people who would love, who's like are looking for this information. I mean, Joe Rogan, you know, and his 50 million viewers, he's got more viewers than CNN, MSNBC combined, they say. Um, so people it definitely has had, it is shifting, but, but certainly in the beginning, yeah, I think there, you know, people were just afraid. They just wanted somebody to tell them how to survive through this and, and um, and as you said too, you know, you didn't get a lot of feedback, anyways, right? So you know, it's likely there were people like myself looking for this information, and not being able to find it because you guys were shut down. And so some of the early sources, the only sources, were right wing sources. Fox News was the only people challenging the dominant narrative, and so then we got labeled right-wingers because we dared to listen to news that we didn't normally listen to trying to find answers to these questions i think that we had right so okay well, i so, mean we're left-wingers right well you know i don't even know what's left and right anymore yeah. I, I mean but i've never identified with being anti-immigrant or being you know against women's rights to reproductive uh, choices or that sort of thing that are supposedly aligned with the left you know my body my choice i thought that was a left thing but apparently not right not i don't anymore. know yeah. it's the lines are blurring and it's interesting as well i think it's an opportunity because we find ourselves in conversation with people that we never had conversations with before because we were so divided and of course the trump years divided us further the media used that time to divide us further the trump derangement syndrome but I think, you know, we do have this one issue in common. And so it's interesting to have these conversations, this conversation, at least with people. We can leave the other stuff aside and maybe address that at another time. You but... know, really, I think that the left and the right have a lot in common. Mm -hmm. The one role of the media is to pit those two sides against each other, to always have them fighting each other however they can because the last thing the media wants is for people to get together and start to look at who the real problem is, who the real enemy is, because it's the people at the top who own the media. Right. Yeah, it's the 99% and the 1%, and they really are doing their darndest to try to keep us fighting. And they are very good at it. They, they are, are very good at it. Good at and it. people fall into that trap so easily. It's very sad. Yeah. Because you never hear that mentioned. I mean, right. when will you ever hear it mentioned that one of the roles of the media is to keep us fighting each other because if that message started to come out then people would say yeah maybe we shouldn't be fighting each other so i mean it's just right? kept out well and again i don't think journalists are necessarily conspiring that way but the corporate boardroom people are if this and shows... the journalists if they want to keep working and it filters down right these are the stories you can do and these are the stories you can't do basically yeah 
the succession kind of shows how that happens from the top trying to control politics and everything else. Okay, and so so for about a year and a half, then you continued with your Shaw or with your pardon me community radio or community TV program, just not talking about that which could not be mentioned. Yeah, we wanted to keep uh, at least talking about the, the other things because it's all important. But I, I, in the end, I think, you know, we'd done it for a long time, and I think it was just the time to come to an end. And plus the fact that we couldn't talk about the most important, the biggest story in the world, we couldn't talk about it. I mean, I think it was a combination of those things that we decided to, to end it. Well, it's kind of sad. You know, I, I totally understand. Uh, um, it's kind of sad to lose that. Um, who, who do you think your audience were at Shaw did, or at uh, community TV station? Did, did I think you... everybody, you know, because people are always flipping through. Right. And uh, I think, you know, it's just right. anybody, anybody and everybody. Because a lot of youngsters now are going to um, off TV. For one thing, it's very expensive to have a cable program package. Yeah, but oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are losing. Uh, they are losing. Uh, but still, it's. I think it's pretty big. I think it's the older set. I, I do get the sense that the younger set are going online and yes. finding maybe finding what they want to hear, but maybe venturing into other places as well. Right. So what's your next uh, plan then? Do you have a plan for what's next? Or are you going to just retire? Uh, Norm and I were hoping to do something following, you know, once we left, uh, once we left uh, the community TV thing. So far, nothing's happened. We're still looking. It, it's only been a month since our last show. Mm -hmm. But haven't found a way in. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to do. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, what uh, what would you advise the public to do then? Since there's a bit of a void, is there any places that you would suggest that they go visit, or how can we stay informed? That is a that is a good question. You know, our side, if there is an hour and there is a side, don't. Like, for example, um, on the virus issue, I mean, I get stuff sent to me, but it's, it's almost more willy-nilly than anything else. Uh, there's, I don't think, know if there's anywhere I can go that really um, is a central clearinghouse for virus information from my side of things. What's your, side, my, of, what's your side of things? My side is... Um, I don't believe the government and I don't believe the media and I don't believe the public health officials because I've dealt with them over the years and seen how they operate and I know they can't be trusted, right? So very early on in this thing, um, when we were in the, in the first maybe three or four months when we were in lockdowns and social distancing, maybe it was just the social distancing at that time, I you know, as media, I sent an email to Bonnie Henry's office, our, our provincial public health officer here in British Columbia, asking for the science that supports the idea that we should be social distancing. 
And I got, you know, so, you know, as we had the TV show, so I sent it in as media. I got an immediate response the next day. And it was a short letter from their office, including a quote from Dr. Bonnie Henry saying that social distancing works and it saved thousands of lives around the world. So I wrote them back. I said, thank you very much. But I actually wanted to see the science that shows that it works. And I never heard back from them again. Mm. And that's basically been what a lot of people had have had. If you question uh, Adrian Dix, who was our provincial public health, uh, provincial minister of health, or you question the public health people, they just don't respond. So you can't find out, for example, with, with the PCR test, nobody seems to know how many um, amplifications they use on the test. Um, the way the test works is, you know, you do the swab and you get uh, a little bit of virus and you double it. You double it and you double it and you double it until you get something big enough to be measured. Well, if you're doubling it more than 30 to 32 times, um, according to the guy who developed the test, his name is Kerry Mullis, and I think he won the Nobel Prize for developing the test. Uh, he said, if you go beyond a certain level, you can find anything in anybody, right? Because you just keep doubling until something appears. He also called, he said Fauci was a liar who would go on television and lie to the American public and who knew nothing about medicine or science or anything else. That was his impression of, luckily for them, and I say luckily in quotes, Kerry Mullis died shortly before all of this started because if he had still been alive, they couldn't have, because here's the guy who developed the test saying, are you crazy? This test doesn't work for what you're using it for. Well, they would have just censored him like they've done with um, Dr. McCullough and Dr. Malone yeah. and uh, anybody else, Dr. E Eden, trying to yeah. speak out against this. They would yeah, have been labeled crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't I mean, it? I've never seen anything like it where anyone who dares question the official narrative is censored, ignored, threatened, lose their jobs right for daring to i mean we are seeing a descent into tyranny here all based on their concern for our health yeah, i right. mean it's a great story and you know it's unfortunate in my opinion that so many people believe it because the people they're believing and trusting are simply not worthy of anyone's trust and these are good people our friends and families and everybody else who believes it they're good people. I, I don't think they can believe that anybody would outright lie to them because that's not the kind of stuff they would do. But the people who run the show are, I mean, Google Bush, Hitler and Guardian. Once you see that story that the Bush family was involved in funding the Nazis, along with you know, America's wealthiest, that, most powerful family. That was a Republican though, right? The liberal people would never do that. <laughs> right there yeah, was i woke up this morning and looked at my twitter feed i should not have done this um and found a woman in saskatchewan a young mother with a preemie baby who went to the hospital somewhere in saskatchewan to because preemies need uh, special care and she felt there was something wrong and she went to the emergency and they wouldn't let her in because she wasn't vaccinated but it's all about our health right
Yeah, it's very ugly what's happening. It's it's huge. It's like the beginning of World War One or World War Two. But if you say that, people say, "How dare you compare yeah. this?" But I say, "How dare you try to silence me from comparing it to whatever I want to compare it to?" And who were those people? You know, if you look back and you and you see how the social conditions were at the time there was poverty and distrust and um, divide in the community and they just played on that and they built this thing and it didn't happen all at once you know it started out as uh you know we're just going to close these shops we're just going to close these shops they're just jewish people we're going to close their shops and then we're going to take their medical licenses away and and then we're going to take their legal licenses away so after a few years you don't go to jewish shops anymore you don't see your jewish doctor you don't have a jewish life where are all the jewish people they're hiding they're in poverty in the city somewhere so it's easy to just scoop them up at that point but people don't see they don't want to see that that could be what's happening to us here well, look at what they did to the First Nations people for a century, right? Or and nobody even knew about it. And still they don't have running water. I mean, yeah, on yeah. a lot of these reserves or food. Look what they've done to Muslim people over the last 20 years. Um, you know, ever since, uh, ever since uh, the, the, the false flag operation of 9-11, um, blamed on the... I mean, Muslim people are as wonderful as everybody else. They... they the Americans, and, and, and it's got nothing to do with the American people, but the lunatics who run that country, they destroyed Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, and Syria, killed millions of innocent people, funded all those wars. And now they're threatening to pull out of the Olympics because right. of China's human rights record. Right. I mean, it's laughable. China, and don't yet, they run Guantanamo Bay, the Chinese yeah, yeah, yeah. little project over there? You know, it's sort of part of me thinks it's all of the the uh, foreign policy, the worst foreign policy in Central America and the Middle East uh, that Canada has also been involved with. It's it's now coming home to us. Yes, and I believed it all. I grew up during the sort of the Vietnam War, right? And I believed it in its entirety that America was out there fighting for truth and honesty and democracy and freedom. I believed everything, everything. I remember when they introduced GMO foods into, into Canada. That was done in complete secrecy. There was not a word anywhere. I mean, I was interested in health at that time. Um, it was done in complete secrecy. It was only two or three years after these foods were introduced that you began to hear rumors about something weird in the food. And a few years later, you finally heard the story. Percy right? Schmeiser, right? Percy Schmeiser, yeah. But that's the power that the government and the media have to completely hide the truth from us. Now they stand there and they say, the only thing we're interested in is public health. I mean, I just don't believe it because I know they are liars. But, you know, had this happened 20 or 30 or 40 years ago, well, it did happen. And I didn't, you know, I, I was with them. I thought it was all, you know, they destroyed Central and South America, nation after nation after nation. And I bought into all of it. Yeah, those must be bad people down there. They're commies and, you know. Wow, hey. And the, and the Cold War the Rush, with the Russians yeah. and all yeah. of that. Yeah. So I don't fault anybody right. for believing the official story. I don't. I People, you know, 
I believed it, but um, but it's it's getting dangerous because I mean they're talking about uh, you know uh, uh, people who who won't get vaccinated are losing their jobs, right? I mean how far away from Nazi Germany is that? And they're about to impose all the truck drivers now who want to cross the border. Well, all of our food and everything else is delivered by truck, right? It's cr- so now, supposedly, there are thousands of truck drivers who will not do this. They won't get vaccinated. So we're going to start losing supplies. Prices will go up. They'll say it's inflation. And I mean, the, the cure for inflation in our system is to raise interest rates, right? And when they start to raise interest rates with everybody as deeply in debt as they are, it is going to, and the, you know, it's they're going to do it, and nobody will even know how or why it happened. If you believe the official story, just you know, there was inflation. We have to do. We don't want to do it. Right, right. We have to do it. You know. Right, right. And I mean, it'd be one thing if this so-called vaccine, which isn't really a vaccine, is a gene therapy experiment. Um, it'd be one thing if it worked to prevent the spread of the disease, but we know the now that it's, it does not prevent the spread of the disease and that it, the, efficacy, the efficacy of it fades um, quite quickly. Um, now they're talking about three every three months getting another jab. You know, I mean, there, that's a whole other wormhole that, that we could go down and we should. And there are medical experts who can share information on that, like there's good reasons for people to resist. And the fact that they're not taking into account natural immunity, you know, like, like there's so much. So I agree with you that we need a clearinghouse. We need a place we can go to discuss all of these things and more. Yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, just to end where we began as well, um, if you, it, it, once you tune into the lies we've all been told about the need to consume animals for health that that that's another uh another great awakening all right but for today jack i know there's a an information session at the legislature on saturdays uh and wednesdays i think now in the afternoon so in case you want to get to that we can close this up and, and maybe have another conversation sometime somewhere and um is there anything else though before we go that you want to talk about well, just that media is very important. I, I, I read somewhere along the line that uh, democracy requires a free press. And here in Canada, we lost our free press a long time ago. And we've almost lost our democracy. There's very, very little democracy left. Uh, and by democracy, well, the, the word democracy from the Greek, it means the people rule. Um, we're nowhere near that anymore. We are ruled. And the government is just middle management. It's the corporations that run the country. Uh, people like Trudeau and Horgan are just brought in. Uh, you know, they're middle management. They do what they're told. And if they don't, they'll be gone immediately. And so that's the mess we're in. To me, that's the real fight. We've got to get the free press that we need, and we've got to rebuild the democracy that we think we have, but we don't. So, um, but those are two fights that very few people are involved in, unfortunately, but to me, those are the most important fights. Right. Yeah. Well, on behalf of everybody who's ever listened to you and your guests uh, through all these decades, Jack, thank you for the work. Thank you. And we'll look forward to seeing what's next. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Janine. 
compassion encircles the earth for all beings everywhere. <laughs>